This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. In this edition, of course, we will be talking about this evening's game at Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace 1, Tottenham Hotspur 2, and we remain top of the Premier League. Not only do we remain there, but we are now five points clear at the top. A goal from, or an own goal from Joel Wald and another goal from Hunmin Son that is now eight Premier League goals in 10 games so far this season. We've got three very special guests to talk about today's game. We've got Channel Regular back with us, Craig Dearman. Craig, how are you? I'm all good. I'm all good. Yeah, a bit dicey at the end there, but um, yeah, what a way to start the weekend, isn't it? Five points clear. Um, yeah, just fantastic. Again, um, I don't really care how we won the game. That was always going to be tough tonight. So, um just good to get the three points in the bag and now we can kind of relax and watch everybody else over the weekend. Absolutely. Um, it's great to have Mike Apps back with us as well, broadcaster and presenter of BBC South News. Mike, great to have you here. How are you? Really well. Thank you, Chris. Thanks so much for inviting me back on. I think there's probably few worse feelings than losing a match on a Friday night and having to get through the rest of the weekend. But there's got to be few feelings better than going five points clear on a Friday night. And you know, perhaps it won't last for the whole weekend, but, but yes, let's just let's just revel in that Premier League table for as long as we can. Well, those of you watching on YouTube, I will be showing this picture quite a lot. Tottenham Hotspur first in the Premier League table, played 10, won eight, drawn two, lost zero, goal difference of plus 13, 26 points on the board so far. We've also got actor TJ Romini back with us. Uh, and for anyone that don't know, TJ was the man behind... Uh, Henry Winkler's video. Um, Very true. Now, TJ, yes. what I want to know, what I want to know before I ask how you are, is uh, when is Henry Winkler getting on that plane and hand delivering a signed photo to Anne Foster Coglu? I wish I had a satisfying answer for you, Chris. Um, it was such a wonderful, uh, serendipitous moment how it all happened because 
Max Winkler, who's Henry's son, is a, is, is a dear friend of mine. Um, and when the whole Happy Days thing happened, Max actually sent me Ange during the interview talking about Happy Days. And I said, oh, you know, get your dad to record a message and we'll get it out to him. And I said, yeah, OK. He was at the house with his dad, just shot him on his phone, sent it through to me. And of course, I put it out on the Internet. And um, God, I haven't checked it in a long time. But, you know, the last time I, I looked at it, something like seven million people around the world had had watched it and, and shared it. Um, I do hope that the club do reach out because what a golden opportunity to put smiles on faces. You know, we're, we're 10 games. We're still unbeaten. We're five points clear. Like Mike was saying, you know, it's Friday night for you guys back home. Um, not to one-up you, Mike, but this is, I, I tell you, having your afternoon <laughs> ruined on a Friday here in, in Los Angeles and then having to have a long uh, long weekend might be even worse. So um, it would be such a wonderful thing for the club to reach out and go, listen, we'd love to have Henry at a game. He's bang up for it, by the way. Bang up for it. Um, and Max, his son, who's my mate, is obviously football crazy as well. So what a wonderful thing it would be for the fans for them to bring on the Fonz at half time, have him give Ange's poster and just wave. You know, I understand that we're a professional football club and there's games to, to be focused on. Um, and we don't want to detract from that, but it would just be a wonderful thing for the fans to enjoy. So I do hope that we hear more from um, from Tottenham. And I'm, I'm here and literally Henry lives five minutes around the corner. So it uh, would be very easy to, uh, to implement. This has to happen. We have has to, to get happen. it to happen. happen. Yeah. Happy days, right? Has to happen. Happy days, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's have a look at the um, match stats first of all before we get into it. Um, possession, Crystal Palace had 24% to Tottenham 76%. Shots, Crystal Palace had 13 to Tottenham's 10. Shots on target, Palace had three. Tottenham only had one. Corners, 11 to Palace, two to Spurs. Fouls, 19 to Palace, uh, 11 to Spurs. Um, TJ, I want to start the show with you. Um, yeah. Simply, your thoughts on the game this evening? Uh, number one thought was, I thought, I mean, listen, number one, great win. Uh, Craig and I were just talking about that. And obviously, Mike as well, we're all, all sharing our, our delight of, of being, um, you know, 10 games unbeaten, five points clear at the top of the table. Um, other than the win and not to start off on a negative uh, kind of vibe. And, you know, Chris, I've been on the show a few times. That's not my jam, you know, not, not a very negative Person, but I thought the officiating tonight was absolutely woeful. Actually, the reason why... I'm glad you said that. Yeah, brother, honestly, the, the reason why that's kind of my opening uh, topic uh, to discuss is that it was bored... Well, not bored, it was dangerous. You know, it, it was really dangerous. Like, three different players, like, scraped down from, you know, uh, mid-shin all the way down to the Achilles... Um, you know, three three different players that happened to, and not a single yellow card. There wasn't a single yellow card in, in, in the first half. What about accumulated fouls? Like, how many times does Edward need to foul somebody? Um, Joel Ward, I was so happy when he scored an own goal. Typically, I feel sorry for somebody who scores an own goal, even if it's Matip for Liverpool and the replay. What an idiot. But anyway, um, I felt sorry for him. You know, I've scored it. You play the game, you're going to score an own goal every now and again. It's the most dejecting feeling. Um, but I was delighted when that went in because what a dirty bunch. And it was so obvious that that was their game plan was, you know, that very old fashioned, this kind of 70s, 80s ways of just kicking lumps out of players. And we are a flair team and we are a team that 
plays on the turn, you know, one touch around the corners. Um, and those fouls are really, really dangerous. And, and of course, with the VAR debacle, that's why we had an even heightened level of aggression leading towards, uh, you know, the last kind of 10, 15 minutes of the game. It's a really poor show. It's, it's irresponsible, actually, from, from the officiators. Goal or no goal, handball or no handball aside, your number one job is to protect the 22 players on the pitch. And I, I thought that was, that was really poor. Great win, but again, that has to be, uh, no pun intended, stamped out. TJ, do you, do you go into games now, uh, you know, watching it on the TV? Do you, do you look at Spurs playing now and just automatically think that we're going to win? Because we're on an incredible run on, under Ange Postacoglu right now. What I was expecting is there's a shellacking coming. That, you know, we're going to absolutely take a team apart. I'm not sure who that's going to be. I watched it with two of my really good friends, both English boys. Both of them live out here. My friends Tommy and JB came round to my house and watched the game. I actually thought that the Fulham game should have been that shellacking. We should have been 4-0 up by half time in that game. We looked a little bit uh, not, not complacent necessarily, but just profligate really in front of goal. Um, I didn't think today was going to be that game. Um, I did think that we'd win. Yeah, because um, as we've heard over the years, and I think there is um, some method to this madness, that winning itself becomes a condition, a, a state of mind. You do get used to it. Uh, you know, those great teams from the past, you know, those great um, United teams under under Sir Alec, and I won't mention the others because I don't want to mention who they are, but, you know, you get those teams that just get up ahead of steam. You know, City under Pep, they just get up ahead of steam and they expect to win. So you can almost see that that philosophy has bedded in with, with the players, even the young ones, like, you know, Pepe Sarr, just, just, you know, at the 89th minute, just, you know, running back and just winning possession, you know, that kind of... Um, fortitude and, and resilience is something that typically takes time and yet under this extraordinary man this extraordinary manager and you know how Chris you're going to be showing that photo rather a lot for people on YouTube it's coming again I can sense it there we are um I'll give my crystal ball a polish is that I will also be leading into the into the fact that I am half Australian uh, my mother is Australian and so I'm delighted delighted with Ange um you know the most uh, successful run for a new manager in the Premier League ever. Um, so I do go into games expecting to win. Yes, I do. Mike, let's come to you. I fully expected a win today. I went with a 2-0 score prediction. And I don't know, I just feel confident in going into every single game now that we are going to see entertaining football, um, that we're going to score goals. Hunmin Son is on fire right now. James Madison is unbelievable. Mickey van der Ven, I know we're going to talk a length about him this evening, has been unbelievable uh, You know, since he signed in the summer. Vicario, another couple of great saves. How are you feeling as a Spurs fan right now? And uh, And give us your thoughts on this evening's game as well. It's just such a wonderful time to be a Spurs fan, isn't it? I mean, I felt this was going to be a tougher week than, than maybe people were expecting it to be in the sense that, you know, Fulham at home, OK, Monday night, we'd had a, a, a long break, a long chance to get our players back from the international football. And that was something that, that played into our favour and we came through that OK. But I think it was a, a quick turnaround for this evening and it was just set up under the lights Friday night. We know... Palace had been poor in their last match against Newcastle, but they were going to be desperate 
to put the record straight tonight. And I, I just think it was really set up for us to to fail tonight. And the fact we've come through, okay, we've you know plenty of tough fixtures to come. Sky kept on showing the next six games we've got, and um, we've got some really big tests still to come in those six games, let alone in the rest of the season. But, you know, let's not underestimate. This was a big test this week. We've come through it. We're top of the league. And I just found myself reflecting on when I think about playing away at Crystal Palace. I think I'm right in saying, the last, can you remember the last time we were top after a game at Crystal Palace? Because I had to look this up. Under Nuno Espirito Santo. Under Jose Mourinho. So this was December 2020. Do you remember that game? Because that was where one of the most frustrating matches as a Tottenham fan I can remember because we were top. We knew we had Liverpool away in the week. We thought, right, fine, let's, let's get this match against Palace out of the way. Saturday lunchtime, I think it was. Early goal from Kane. And we thought, this is fantastic. We've got real momentum. Jose is going to deliver the glory back to, to White Hart Lane. And, of course, it was Jeffrey Schlupp late in the game. 1-1. Terrible. You remember, we went to Liverpool. Didn't take our chances. Remember that Bergwijn chance that didn't go in. And, you know, we know how that season played out. So I just think it's really interesting. I looked it up. At that point, we were top, having played two games more. And we had a point less than we have now. That's that's what a good start to the season it's been. So, you know, really interesting to reflect on how so far that, we've that come compared to that games, was it, Mike? Three that was after ago. 12 games. That was after 12 games. In December 2020, we'd won yeah. seven, drawn four and lost one. 25 points. One point less than we've got now, having Amazing. played two games more. And we were that's top of the league. Step. Great step. Well, so we have I just been think I love. The... I was going to say, Mike, we've um, been here before. Yeah, yeah, we've been, we, we we've have been, been here before. before. It, but it, it, I, I just think I love. Mike, you still there? Yeah, sorry, I it just broke up for a sec there. So I was I was just going to finish there by saying that I love the quote from Romero today. If you heard his interview where he said it would be immature to talk about the title right now. So I'm not going to talk about the title. I'm going to be mature about this, but I'm going to be excited. It's okay to be excited as a Spurs fan right now, and uh, it's it's a wonderful feeling playing how we did to to cement this position at the top of the league, and let's enjoy every moment. Craig, let's come to you. I'm certainly enjoying every moment as well. Um, and that away end this evening was absolutely electric. The Spurs fans were so loud, didn't stop singing, and we are certainly all enjoying it at the moment. Um, what were your thoughts on the game today? Yeah, I mean, so I suppose a minor negative. I thought in the first half, we we definitely missed a dogie. Um, I, I thought Ben Davis was just doing a job and whether he bought him off tactically or whether he had a knock, I thought it was probably the right decision and Emerson Royale did, did a bit better than Ben Davis. But it just goes to show and, you, you know, I don't want to bring everybody down, but as soon as one cog is taken out of the wheel, it just goes to show how vulnerable we can be, I, I think. 
not that Palace, I, th I think at that point, were worrying me that I thought they was going to go and get five or six goals. But you could see the whole system just wasn't quite working. Look, it was going to be a difficult game at Palace tonight. We always, it's, it's never an easy game there. I know, I know we had a fairly good result there last year. But um, look, back on track. Um, I, I'm just really, really happy, like everybody else at the moment, to be where we are, five points in the league. Yeah, play the game more, but you know we've had some crap years. We've had some utter dross to live through, and I think we deserve it. I am un in no illusions that I don't think we're in a title race at all. I don't think you can say that, but I'm just enjoying where we are at the moment because you you're, you are allowed to be happy. Uh, and anybody who says to you, "Oh, Spurs fans, you know, banging on about winning the league," no, I don't think any realistic Tottenham fan is banging on about winning the league. We're just happy at where we are, and I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, you know, as answered, just get, just enjoy it. That's what football's about. You know, if you can't enjoy where we are, then you should go and watch another sport. You know. CJ, let me come to you on that exact point that Craig's just mentioned. There, some Spurs fans I know think that we're going to win the Premier League. Now, I don't. I don't think that we are in a title race whatsoever, but I've got to ask the question because no media outlets were talking about Spurs before the season started. Um, everyone thought that it was going to go wrong at Tottenham. Of course, Harry Kane went to Bayern Munich. We had to replace those 30 goals that he scored in the Premier League last year. Uh, of course, we've seen Ant Postacoglu come in. We've seen everybody step up. Hunmin Son's scoring goals galore at the moment, 8-10, and 10, as I mentioned. Um, because of this good start that we've had, has your expectation now changed? And what do you expect Spurs to do come the end of the season? And also, do you think we're in a title race? Um, a multi-tiered question there, Chris. Thank you. Um, so, firstly, um, I think there's no doubt we're in a title race. I don't think you can be top of the table five points clear after 10 games and not, you know, have a lot of people going, I think these guys might win it or could win it. Um, it's a long season, as we all know, as our noisy neighbours proved so gloriously last season. Um one of the things that I was talking about with my friends today and with um, my brother and my dear friends back home, I have a, a WhatsApp group with them, with my Tottenham fans, uh, friends back home, is that can any one of us recall, and I'm also looking at some of the comments coming in and some really insightful um, and rather amusing comments coming in from our listeners and, and viewers, which is excellent, but I cannot recall a more pivotal critical transfer window than the upcoming January transfer window in the history of this football club. Now, obviously, the football club has been around a lot longer than I have. But in my years as a Tottenham fan, and I'm man and boy and all, the, all that sort of stuff, I am from North London. Um, has there ever been a time where acquisitions were quite so pivotal, absolutely vital as they are now? Because to... Craig's point, we missed Udogi. Um, as we saw from the Fulham game, the drop-off was cataclysmic when we made those changes from Oliver Skip. Wow. Emerson actually didn't look too bad. Giovanni Lacelso, like, it literally, I was going to say it looks like we're bringing on our junior players, but our junior players are top of their league as well, so not to do them any, any disrespect. The, the drop-off from our starting 11, I think our starting 11 
is as good as any team in the Premier League right now. So if one is assessing, can we win the Premier League? If you look at the starting 11, of course, people are never going to give us our propers, right? When uh, I know they do this in England a lot, you know, with Alaska panelists, typically somebody who's on match of the day or somebody who's on talk sports or, you know, somebody who ever kicked a ball ever in England. They go, well, what's your combined 11? You know, Arsenal, Tottenham combined 11, United, Tottenham combined 11, Chelsea, Tottenham combined, City, you know, Burnley, Tottenham, and you've got nine Burnley players and then, you know, Hyung Min Son, you know. And so we're never going to get our propers, but we're definitely in a, in a, title race because we just are numbers don't have an opinion they don't care um but in order to really have a shout at getting over the line and my goodness how much of that battle is mental like getting towards the business end of the season you know night is it 90 percent is 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 mental so we have to strengthen you can't have the manager rubbing his chin and looking at our bench and thinking jesus i'm gonna have to bring on giovanni lacelso or you know you've got to bring on or we talked about the fouls already i, I don't want to talk more about that but if mickey van der ven did have to go off today and I have to say there was an outpouring of love and respect and admiration and affection for Eric Dyer, like over the last kind of week or so, you know, when they came back from um, uh, the international, Mike's nodding his head, you know, the video I'm going to, I'm going to talk yeah. about, right. And, you know, they were filming them all and, you know, Madison turned up in an extraordinary outfit that looked like cashmere pajamas. And then, you know, um, Dyer turned up and he said, I know you're not going to use this. And all of our hearts kind of went, you know, Bless his heart. I mean, no, he's not at the level, but he was a really loyal servant to the club and, and, and a good a good man and a human being. And, and so that hurt me personally, but I wouldn't want him coming on for, for Mickey van der Ven. So we absolutely have to strengthen in January. And Chris, we're in a title race, mate. We are. You know, we wow. are in a title race because we're top of the league, five points clear after 10 games. Not three games, five games, six games, 10 games. And that's a very different position for Tottenham. Wow. I get what you mean, TJ, because I think, um, you know, one or two injuries to this starting 11, uh, and then we could come off the rails. And Brother, Madison went down and we all went. Yeah. Mickey Vander went, went down. And to Craig's point, Udogi is out and Ben Davis. And again, Ben Davis is always going to give you a six and a half, right? You know, yeah. um, we were talking about <laughs> car analogies. He's a Lexus smooth and reliable and comfortable and all that kind of thing but no you know you know what i mean he's he's a lexus he's not he's not a lamborghini is he <laughs> well i'll come back to you later on in the show and ask you if we're going to buy a couple of ferraris and porsches because oh, perfect. These, uh, yeah yeah perfect. because the, the transfer window does open <laughs> in 65 days and yes i am counting it down um, because I'm with you. I think that we do need to really strengthen um, in the January transfer window if we want to, you know, have a have a real go and have a real challenge. Um, Mike, do you believe that we are title contenders? Can we challenge for the Premier League title? Or is that a ridiculous question? It's not ridiculous. It's, it's fair to ask. But I think that, uh, just come back to it, that really the Premier League for the last six, seven, eight years has been all about how good are Manchester City. Um, it's Manchester City's to lose each year, quite frankly. And that's a big question right now. That's the first question you have to answer. I would say, and 
we can say this because we weren't expecting to be in the position we're in. So it's okay to speculate and, and, and throw our opinions out there, I guess. I would say the early signs are, it could be argued that Manchester City aren't quite on the level they were of last season because they've lost Gundogan. Haaland isn't firing on all cylinders right now. De Bruyne is out long term. Um, yeah, they're not they're not scoring the level of goals they were last season. We know they've actually evolved, whether by choice or by accident, if we can put it that way, to be a side that's actually quite reliant on a strong defence right now. So that's that's the first question. Are Manchester City going to slip and allow another side in? And then the second question is, if they do, can it be us? And yeah, I think January is so, so important. I actually feel that now, you know, the, the weeks are going by. We're basically now in a, in a two-month run through to that January transfer window. And if we can effectively nurse this squad through, because that's how it feels right now. You know, I think we all look at particularly um, Son and Madison and say, you know, how are they doing? Are they going to be able to come through? It's encouraging that both of them in these last two matches have probably played the most football they've played all season, certainly in, in most games where and just felt able to leave them on the pitch for, for that length of time. But no, can we sort of get them through and then look at just, you know, upgrading or at least getting good backups in a few positions? And I don't think anyone's mentioned it yet. You, I've got to be the first person to, to say Richarlison. Um, You know, again tonight, uh, clearly putting a lot of effort in, a lot of desire, work rates, but so far simply not delivering. And I think that is a clear position where we all feel or will feel that, you know, we need to be just that bit sharper if we're going to maintain what we've begun um, going into this season. So, you know, clearly really encouraging signs. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I just don't know. I seem to remember coming on your show at the start of last season, very early on, I may say, but um, speculating that we could be in a, a title race under Conte and, and, and we all know how that turned out. So I'm loath to uh, commit in the same way right now, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how things go. As I've said many times, Mike, I thought the trophies would be coming under Pochettino. I certainly thought they'd be coming under Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte. Yeah, we've been through it and uh, we've been through some, some dark shows in the last couple of years. So it's nice to be smiling and watching this entertaining football at the moment. Craig, let's come to you, because um, you mentioned earlier you don't think that Spurs are in a title race. Um, as your expectation change now, should should Spurs finish in that top four spot because of, this, of, the, of the great start that we've had? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I'd love to turn around and, and, and say we're. I think we're in a title race. I mean, by its very nature, we're first in the league, so you could argue we are in a title race, whether whether I think we are or not, or anybody else thinks we are or not. But um, ultimately, it was all about improvement on last year and seeing a, a way, uh, a change in the way we play to something that we all want to watch. That that was that was all my aspirations were when Ange came in. Um, can we finish in the European position? Oh, well, am I going to be watching better football? Am I going to see a, a plan for the team? Um, and it, in my mind, when the season kicked off, if I've got all three of those, then, then, then I'd be dead happy. Obviously, seeing, seeing the way we've started now, unbeaten, you know, um, it, it's just incredible. And it kind of messes with your head a little bit because we're not used to this. So um, you ask a Man City fan, are we in a title race? Yeah, they're, they're all going to say yes. 
Whereas Tottenham, even though we're above them, we, we can't think like that because we know what's gone on before. So it's really difficult trying to get my head around it, to be honest with you. But ultimately, finishing the top four, I would take that. Like you said earlier, Chris, on Sky, I would take that. If we're still in this position come March and we're still within striking distance, then we are in a title race and that's when you're going to be getting, I'm going to be getting really excited along with a lot of other people. But, you know, I just think it's early days. I know we've played 10 games now, a quarter of the season's gone, more than a quarter of the season. So I I just think I'm I'm just trying not to get ahead of myself, you know, because we've all been here before. We've been top of the league before, not by this amount and not at this stage and playing so well, but I'm just trying to keep my feet on the ground. Um, and it, it was like just like that Udogi thing that I said earlier, little things like that. You think, yeah, let's just 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 frame this in a bit. But you know, I, I get excited with everybody else. I just I, I've been there before, like we all have. Like my son Ben's put in the comments there from the press conference. Dan just said, thought Emerson at left back was outstanding. Uh, those kinds of things are helping us at the moment. The guys are coming on and helping us. And as long as the, the subs do keep coming on and helping us like that, obviously what is great to see that Ange saw that place, that position needed to change, and he made the change. And it and it changed the game to our benefit. So look, look, he's just got to keep doing what he's doing. And, and we're going to be up there. You're playing it cool, Craig. I love it. TJ, um, you mentioned the transfer window earlier, 65 days away now. Now, if Spurs were, um, I don't know, top of the league then, by uh, uh, you know, going into the new year, uh, if we were top of the league or we were, say, six points away from top, what do you think Spurs need to do in that January transfer window? What players do we need to bring in? What positions do we need to strengthen, in your opinion? Um, I'm sure that I'm, it's not going to be of any great surprise to anybody on this panel or probably the people um, listening and listening and watching. Um, I mean, there are there are a couple of things to do with the transfer window. And again, some of the people on the comments were saying it's also vital that we keep certain players and offload certain players. You know, we're very much that club that we won't buy until we sell. Um, at the Fulham uh, game, again, I was talking to my friends and, and theorising, sort of hypothesising that if we were either in first or second um, by January, would the club be in a position to turn around to our sponsors, to like AIA and to like Cinch and Nike and, you know, various, Audi, various sponsors that we have and just say, listen, we're potentially on the cusp of something monumental here. Is there any chance that you can give us more money than you typically would um none of us knew that i had dinner with a friend of mine another arsenal guy uh, another arsenal guy a tottenham friend <laughs> what a freudian slip uh, i had dinner with him last night we have dinner with each other every week if we're in town every wednesday and he's a business guy he's an insurance guy and he said 100 percent yes like if tottenham put in a call to aia and just said listen we're gonna have a go in january and we're actually going to be one of those clubs that gets our business done early like speaking of arsenal perhaps why that's why i said arsenal it was an absolute travesty that we didn't bring in trossard speaking of left-sided players mike and and craig and of course you as well chris like bringing a player like trossard off the bench when martinelli goes down it's not even a step down really it's a different kind of how many goals has he scored including the equal that which really bothered me that equalizer that he scored against uh, Chelsea the other day obviously I've got no love for Chelsea but I wanted Arsenal to lose 
Um, and so missing out on him for 18 million pounds because we were like, oh, well, maybe I'll shoot you a text after lunch and, oh, I'm just going to pop the kettle on and then I'll send you an email. And, oh, I'm sorry, I, you know, the lift broke down. And then Arsenal went, sorry, how much do you want? 18 million? Done. And it was done in 24 hours. You know, we can't mess around like that. I can't dilly-dally. Like, what I want to show is the courage in the boardroom that we've been showing on the football pitch. That's what I want to show. So if that means that Levy is famously going to blow the dust off that checkbook and actually make something happen, fantastic. If he feels more comfortable calling our sponsors and going, listen, guys, give me money because we could win this bloody thing. Get that done. Like, whatever it need, whatever we need to make some statement signings. You know, we've signed some remarkable players. Benton Kerr was, what, 18 million quid or something. Vicario unbelievable. And I love him as a person as well, not just as a player. He feels like he's been at Tottenham for ages. Man's been there for a couple of months. Speaks English like a champ, making saves. He's got a great sense of humour. You know, that's what we need. We, But those bargains, okay, brilliant. Uh, you know, and that's a Paratici signing all day long. I hope he's still like in the background going, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I just put in a cheeky text to someone, you know, I've got you someone great. Um, but let's bring in someone who can, uh, again, to Mike's point, Richarlison, slight question to you all. Uh, if we didn't know Richarlison was a striker, would we give him such a hard time? Because to me, he looks a bit like Decky right now. It's kind of, you know, quite strong on the ball. You know, holds it up well. He works hard and everything, but just doesn't really score many goals. He looks a bit like Decky. Not as good as Decky, but a bit like that. If we didn't know he was a striker, I mean we give him an easier time. Not that I'm a fan of Richarlison's and not that I think that he's good enough, but what he's doing is offering us something. But is that going to be Brennan Johnson? I mean, how good did he look? He looked like he just came on today and said, right, let me take this opportunity. I've got 10 minutes. Watch this. And then you look at somebody like Lacelso, who was given, what, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And it was absolutely embarrassing. He was disinterested and lethargic. Like, at least show us something. Show us a bit of courage. Uh, and he didn't show any of that. So I cannot wait for him to go. Go to Betis. Go to Villarreal and run around in the sunshine in a league with two teams in it, if that makes you happy. Or fight for the title that matters, which is the Premier League. So I don't want anything to do with somebody like that. But we need to make a statement in January and show we think we can win this bloody thing. TJ, just come back on that. Um, yeah. we've, we've obviously seen as, as Spurs fans many transfer windows where we probably haven't done enough. Now, do you think that things will be different? You mentioned Daniel Levy there. Do you think that his attitude will be different if Spurs are sitting... It's an opportunity, Chris. I know. You know, we right. have, we're on the cusp of something. It's 10 games, right? By Christmas, what will it be? Is that 16, 17? Is it 20 games? Like, is it more than that? I, I don't know. I'm not a maths guy. But, you know, again, if you're if you're in and around there, if you're like five or six points, either at the top or second or third, you're again, you're two, three players away. We need a centre back desperately. Romero has been absolutely faultless. He's been he's been the best he's ever been. And he is also he's not doing any of that stuff. He's not kicking lumps out of people because no disrespect to him. He doesn't have Eric Dyer on his back. You know, he's got a guy next to him. He'd be like, if you, Mickey's like, if you lose that, guys, no worries. Watch this. Got it back. Carry on. Speaking about sports cars, man's a McLaren. You know what I mean? Oh, the, 
got it back. No problem. Carry on, guys. Um, if one of them goes down, we're in we're in big trouble. And like Mike said, we need more firepower on the left and the right. Is it Brian Hill? Is it Brennan Johnson? Do we already have that player? Do they need a bit more time? I suspect it's neither one of those. So we need to bring bring a, a couple of people in. And also in that central midfield, without Basuma, I mean, thank goodness for Benton Kerr. And also, I don't know, did anyone notice this? Either listening or watching or, or you guys, Benton Kerr looks 20, 30 pounds heavier, no? He looked like an absolute lump. Um, he, he was always like a long kind of, you know, uh, gangly kind of dude, an amazing player, an absolute Rolls Royce. And he just slotted straight back into it when he came on today. Unbelievably talented player. But he also looked like, you know, man was buff, which was good to see. Yeah, so many positives. And of course, we haven't even mentioned that. Benton Kerr coming back today uh, in action for Tottenham Hotspur since February, of course, after his ACL at Leicester. Um, Mike, let's come to you. Um I want to ask you the same question about the transfer window. Um, what do Spurs need to do? Do you think that Ange Postacoglu will be fully back? Do you think things will be different this time around? I really hope so, because what I hope is that, without being overly dramatic, Daniel Levy and the board view... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This this year, this calendar year, as almost a, almost a near-death experience, um, because... I feel you can, everyone argues about whether we should be Levy in, Levy out. It's, it's been the debate for 20 years now at Tottenham, hasn't it? And, and I've kind of come down on different sides of the fence at different times. But to me, the one thing, the one time where I would say unequivocally, Daniel Levy got things wrong, not as a, as a football man, but as a businessman, was how he handled the departure of Conte, where I find it, I, I will, I've never had anyone explain to me Forget whether Daniel Levy knows anything about football. Everyone says he's, he, he knows what he's doing when it comes to, to finance, when it comes to business. What an absolute dereliction of duty to allow us to go into that, what was it, the final 10 matches of the season with what he had in, in, in charge, Stellini, and then, and then scramble around for, for Mason. I, I just couldn't understand when you consider it was the difference between getting the right manager in and qualify for the Champions League, you know, get the Champions League money and... Who knows, maybe even keep Harry Kane. That was our sliding doors moment, the fact that we threw away last season. But somehow, out of the wreckage of last season, we have come upon Ange Postacoglu. And, you know, whether you say it's down to brilliant uh, management in the end by the board to, to, to find him, or whether you, you say they've just been incredibly lucky to get him, the fact is this chance has fallen for them and it fell for them with Pochettino and arguably... They didn't capitalise on it. 
you could argue it fell for them with Harry Redknapp and they didn't capitalise on it when we think about uh, that, that window where we brought in Sahar and Nelson and we didn't invest at that key moment when we could have really kicked on. So you have to wonder, you just have to wonder, is this different now because of what went on last season, because of, without going into detail for obvious reasons, what we know is going on off the pitch with Tottenham and the ownership and the, the headlines that, that the club got embroiled in over the course of, of, of the summer with that. Is it just that little feeling that maybe if we don't take this chance, will there be another chance this good with Daniel Levy in charge? You just don't know. You just don't know what the future has to hold. So I hope it's going to be different. I hope we're going to capitalise on it. And obviously it means more strength in, in defence. So we're not just on that knife edge of uh, if Romero or van der Ven goes down, as we've said, then we're, we're, we're really scrabbling around to find anyone who's capable of maintaining that formation, that, that style of play that, that Ange wants. And, and obviously, uh, take the pressure off midfield. But, but Bentacore coming back, we can't be asking too much of him too quickly. But that is a massive lift to have him in there as an option again. So hopefully, you know, he is, as the cliche goes, as good as a new signing. Craig, let's come to you on the January transfer window. Um, now, when you look at the, the signings of the summer, James Madison, Vicario, Mickey van der Ven, to name three, have been sensational in these opening 10 games for Spurs. Um, do you think that things will be different, are different now? Do you think that the recruitment um, is going to be different to what it has been in the past? Because Mike mentioned there Zaha and, and Nelson. Um, I can think of a couple of other um, times when Pochettino probably need two or three players to, to make us real title challengers, didn't really get the players that he wanted. Is it different now for you? I think it, it is to a degree because you've got to look at the business that Peratici has done for us and on the whole, they've been pretty good signings. Um, I think the January transfer window is a completely different kettle of fish. I've never really understood it. Why I get that players' values go up in January, but I've always been of the opinion that if you want somebody, just go and get them to a degree, unless they're like 40, 50 million overpriced. Um, he wanted Porro last year, and we did get him, albeit on the last day or one of the last days of the window. That rumbled on. I think what we need to do is be identifying our targets early and getting them early in January because if we get to the new year without having any major injuries to key players, we've done very well. And that's what I said the other night on the stream, that Leicester season when they won the league, they kept all their big players fit for a majority of the season. And that was key for them. I think if we did do that, we would stand a very good chance of finishing high up in the table. But I don't think we've ever really been that lucky. You might get that lucky, but... I would rather have those reinforcements in. So I think they need to be identifying those players. And Daniel Levy needs to learn from previous errors here and say, okay, we, you know, this, this, we have got a bloody good chance here and he needs to back the manager. Um, Ange will be telling him who he wants. And the beauty of having Ange, it seems to be, he doesn't really go for these big names just because they're big names. He's bought in some players that, you know, if we're brutally honest, a lot of us probably never really heard of, like your Vicarios, your Van der Vins. You know, there might have been names you've heard in conversations or read on Twitter once in a while. But that guy is going back to what Ali told us back in the summer, Chris. Um, he, he scouts the market. He knows the 
the markets that we don't know. Like we haven't seen him bring in players from the Asian market, like the Japanese league. And you think you bring in a Japanese, you might bring in a Japanese player that we've never heard of, and he's sensational. So don't be expecting major names. But I'm safe in the knowledge that if a player comes through that door, and I've never heard of him, Ange obviously has, and he's done his homework. And it's the player Ange wants. And if it's a player Ange wants, then that's fine by me. And I think that's the key thing. We haven't got to be spending hundreds of millions. We've just got to get the right players in that Ange wants yeah. to play. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was about to say. And uh, TJ, let's come to you on that, because it's not sometimes all about spending big money. You know, we've seen us spend big money before. Um, Tongi Ondombele, Giovanni Lo Celso, as you mentioned. Yeah. Of course, Charleston's having a tough time at the moment. You know, you spend big money. You don't always get the quality that you think you're, you are getting. But the recruitment um, has to be better. Uh, than recent years, and and the summer, you know, shows that that it can be done. Um, TJ, what yeah. do you think has really changed at the football club? Because as you also alluded to, the under 18s top of uh, the under 18 league, um, the under 21s top of the uh, Premier League two table. Uh, the women are even third um, in the in, in the women's Super League, and Robert um, Villaham has been named as uh, or nominated as um, manager of uh, of the month. Um, today, uh, men's first team, of course, five points clear at the top of the Premier League, Premier League table. This can't all be down to Ange Postecoglou. What do you what do you put it down to? Um, I think a lot of it is down to Ange Postecoglou. Um, I think again at the, at the upper echelons of, of sports, the margins are so fine. You know, you're talking you know one two percent, three percent maybe of this mercurial, nebulous substance. Right, which if anyone could bottle, I tell you what, Tony Bloom's almost bottled it at Brighton. What an extraordinary man! Um, but I think somebody like Ange comes in, and it's a bit of a cliche, but changes the culture. So if you look at how oppressive Conte was and how negative Mourinho was, and also both of those guys. They're almost too famous for Tottenham. They're too famous. They're, they're these huge stars. Um, and Mourinho loves being a star. He loves it. He loves the limelight. He, he loves being a celebrity. He's still probably the most famous manager. He probably is. It's probably still Mourinho. If you said to someone, you know, who's a football man? Well, you know, you've got Mourinho. You know, not that he's the best, but he's the most famous. Um, and so Ange... He's so wonderfully Australian. He's so grounded. Um, he's so egalitarian. He's got this wonderfully dry sense of humor. He's kind. And also, he loves football. And it's brought him so many of the greatest things in his life. You know, I'm sure we've all seen the interviews, right? I mean, he talks about his relationship with his father was really founded and galvanized through football. His dearest friends that he met when he was a little kid playing football, his wife you know, worked with a previous football club who knew somebody. And, you know, he owes his life to football. How is that not infectious? Because ultimately, I know, as um, to Mike's point and the genius businessman that Daniel Levy is, we are an entertainment company. But we were that entertainment company and real estate company was founded off the back of a football club. And so that um, attitude and, and energy... I think has permeated throughout, Chris. Because otherwise, what is it? 
Like, why are we so different this season to last season? Um, and so I think that that's been completely transformative. And it was almost from game one. Um, and so there is something very special about this man and how these players have, have bought into it and how some of those players, Bissou, Massar, tr uh, Pedro Paro, transformed, you know, players who were there actually last season and are entirely unrecognisable to uh, to this season. So um, I do think it's down to him. I do. TJ, do you think that Postacoglu will be the next guy to, uh, to to guide Tottenham to a trophy? Yes. Mike, let's come to you. Um, let's talk about the um, game this evening. Um, of course, um, we made um, a couple of changes. Um, Basuma and Davis were in. Um, Hoybier and Udogi dropped out. Uh, the starting 11 as follows. Vicario, Poro, Romero, Van der Ven, Davis, uh, Basuma, Saar, Madison, Kulisevsky, Son and Richarlison. On the bench this evening, Forster, Royale, Dyer, Hoybier, Skip, Benzenkur, Lacelso, Brian Hill and Brennan Johnson. Um, any surprises in the starting eleven for you? Did, did you think that it was fair that Hoybier dropped out, um, having done so well in the previous game? I think it was fair on the basis that Basuma has been, I think most people would say, our best player, or if not our best player, then, then, then in the top three for this season. But I love the fact when I when I saw him in in the starting lineup tonight, Basuma, I, I was just really pleased because to me it said that obviously it shows how highly Ange rates him, but also it shows how much trust he put in him because we all know that was the debate going into it, wasn't it? We've got Chelsea next, and everyone wants Basuma in that starting lineup for Chelsea because we know he's a hundred percent one of the first names on the team sheet for our best eleven. But Crystal Palace away on a Friday night, <laughs> you'd have just said that has got Bissouma yellow card written all over it, wouldn't you? Because that is exactly the type of match in which he's been ill-disciplined this season. And the fact that he came through, OK, he came off after an hour, didn't he? Which I guess was kind of sensible game management in the end um, from Ange to, to, to bring on Hoybier at that point and also just to say, OK, let's let's protect him a little bit. But no, it was it was... To me, just not giving Crystal Palace a sniff of, of anything that they could have in the dressing room, of, of, of them sort of taking the, the view, oh, we're not being taken seriously. We're, they're resting players because, because Chelsea are coming. We've got an opportunity now. No, this was kind of the strongest team we could have put out. And I think um, Basuma, let's give him some credit for, for how he played tonight. You know, he, he was doing what he's been doing throughout the, the, the season. It was... It's that moment, the, the ball where it comes out from Vicario to him and he picks it up midway through the half and he's, he's got caught out a couple of times with that. But generally speaking, he's so rock solid and, and able to take the ball under pressure and, and start making things happen. And, and just to see him slot back in and do that again was really encouraging to see. And I just think, um, you know, there's, there's food for thought there, of course. Uh, you know, I'm not going to... I don't want to pick on Richarlison. I'm not totally down on Richarlison. Social media before the match that Brendan Johnson was going to get the nod ahead of him. And the fact that he came on and got an assist um, tonight, I think will strengthen the case to, to maybe say that he could uh, force his way into the starting lineup for the next match. But but generally speaking, I think that was a statement from um, Postacoglu to say we're a strong team. We're in form. We can cope with this schedule of uh, the quick turnaround from Monday to Friday. 
And um, yeah, led by Basuma in that midfield, I think they absolutely delivered tonight. Craig, let's come to you. Um, Benton Kerr on the bench this evening, and of course you got minutes at, at the end, um, and got a fantastic reception from the Tottenham Hotspur uh, fans, and, uh, and and all of the players were pushing him towards the away end at the at the end. It was a wonderful moment. Um, were you surprised to see him on the bench this evening because it had been hinted heavily a number of times that it was going to be sometime in November, and you know it it, it wasn't a, a sort of given that he was going to even get minutes. Um, even though he, he would have been near uh, ready. Uh, were you surprised to see him? And, you know, when I looked online, a lot of Spurs um, journalists uh, that cover the club on a daily basis, they were even very surprised that he was there. Um, there was part of me that wasn't actually obviously pleasantly, pleasantly, uh, I suppose pleasantly surprised, but it didn't shock me that he was there because having seen the way he finished that half volley in the week, you think, Somebody who, who can do that is obviously not that far away. And I think he's been, you know, his actual knees being as strong as it's going to get for a few weeks, but it's getting the fitness for game game time. That was the main thing. Um, having done that injury twice and obviously not had as much good care as, he, as he's been getting and the physio and everything, your knee does feel quite strong as long as you get your muscle, muscle mass back. Your knee feels pretty much there or thereabouts after about eight months if you've taken care of the injury but it's the match fitness um all right the level i played at was nowhere near the level he plays at but it's st you've still got to train this as well because it's psychological as well when you've done that injury you don't want to do it again and there is there is part of you that thinks i don't want to go in for those challenges so don't be surprised that he doesn't go in for balls in the first few weeks that you you you've been used to seeing him but Having seen him back, he's just was just phenomenal, and it would have been quite poetic that I thought he was going to get a goal towards the end there when the ball fell to him on the edge of the box, uh, and he, it was just a bit of a scuffed shot. But um, you know, fair play. It's a, it's a shocking injury to come back from. The technology with the operation they do hasn't really changed since the early nineties. They've tweaked it a bit, but it's still eight, nine, ten months. The recovery's got a little bit quicker, but it's, it's still a really, really hard injury to come back from and um uh, he, he's obviously done well and as as we spoke about before i think tj you were saying he does look ripped doesn't he he looks absolutely like he's boxed up here as well so he's obviously been on the weights because he can't wait there for periods of time so he's just been on the dumbbells and that's, that's just to keep himself fit but yeah absolutely phenomenal player great to have him back as an option in the middle and it does make me wonder what's going to happen. I would imagine perhaps that Hoybier or Skip might go in January because of his return. I don't know, um, but I just can't. I think Skip's probably fourth on the list now, isn't he? Fourth or fifth on the list now. So um, would they bring somebody in to replace one of them if they went? They probably will, but it's got to be it's got to be an upgrade in my opinion. Or you might as well just go with what we've got. TJ, who um, does Benton Kerr replace in midfield? Saar? Is it unfair on Saar? Um, is it unfair? I mean, listen, whoever he does replace will feel hard done by. So to that degree, yeah, it, it, it will feel unfair to the player that he, he replaces. But um, to Craig's point, it's a really tough injury to come back from. Um, he's just so good, isn't he? He's just mm. next level, isn't he? You, you know... One of his first involvements, I'm sure you guys remember, um, 
He was way out on the far touchline, probably 35 yards from our own goal. He was right on the line, received the ball. He had two Crystal Palace players closing him down. He couldn't go right because he was on the line. And he still came out with the ball. And it was like his first or his second touch. Like, he's he's a, he's a class above, you know. Um, when Mike was talking before about, about this, I mean, I would say, is he the best central midfielder in the league thus far? Like, let alone our second or third best player. And I think you're you're right, because there are so many players at Tottenham who have been performing at such a high level. Sonny, Madison, Vicario, Romero, Van der Ven, Udogi, at such a high level. Um, it was also interesting what Craig was saying about not knowing who a lot of these players are. And you're absolutely right, mate. You're absolutely right. And, and I, I spoke very briefly earlier about Tony Bloom and how we have fully committed to this metrics-based system of recruitment, which I think we can see is already um, bearing fruit. You know, it's really working for us. Uh, a lot of the people, again, in the comments are talking about, well, what about our homegrown players? Again, mate, you're absolutely right, Craig. You're absolutely right that Skippy's fourth trip. He's way off it now, man. And again, like you talk about those margins, you know, this was a player that went to Norwich and, you know, came back and went back to Norwich. Oh, he's our player of the season, best player. We got promotion. Is that your level, mate? Like, are you the best player in the champion championship, but, you know, a kind of OK player in the Premier League? Um, if he does go, and I think he should, I definitely wouldn't sell Hoybier. Definitely, definitely not. And again, to all of your points, he came on at exactly the right time. And he's such a selfless player. You know, um, Richard Cracknell, again, I'm going to dine out on this quote. He's the dustman at Tottenham. Just comes along and, you know, it's an unglamorous position, but my goodness, he does it with aplomb. And also, I think players just kind of go, okay, Pierre's on the pitch. You know, he just has a calming effect because he's never going to give the ball away. Like, yes, his instincts are to go sideways or backwards, but when you're two up and like they're pressurizing and this wasn't his magical self today, he's a great player to bring on. And of course, I mean, he's he's absolutely irreplaceable for Denmark, who, you know, get to the semifinals and in international. You know, they're a really good outfit. Right. So convincing a player like that to stay is as important as new acquisitions, in, in my opinion. TJ, let's come to um, the match instance um, now. Crystal Palace had a chance uh, through Ayu, uh, which was saved by Vicario. And just a minute later, Vicario made an even better save than the first one uh, with his left hand. How yeah. impressed have you been with our new goalkeeper? So good, man. So, so good. And not... We might have talked about this before, actually, Chris. You know, when 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 people are typically criticising goalkeepers, they'll often throw in, was a great shot stopper. And I've always said, well, that's your job. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's we'll, your job. We'll call you Roy Keane you know, then. They're critiquing me. They go, you know, oh well, he's, he's he always knows his lines. That's my job. You know, there's got to be a bit more <laughs> than than stopping shots. I'm going to turn up, do the scene, and somebody gives me a cue, and I just go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's my job, right? Learn your learn your lines, and so you have to offer so much more than that. And talk about a calming. Um, uh, entity as well like he's so cool on the ball I loved as well how him and Romero just played the ball backwards and forth for about five minutes and people were booing 
yeah. and again, like my friends who were like going, "Oh, you know, they're being," I'm like, "That's their fans booing their own players." Go get the ball. You're two nil down. Go, go get it. And I loved how they did that. And again, he's ten games into this new club, into a new country, new culture, and he slotted into it so well. I, I, he's got a shout for being our, one of our players of the season. Again, people were saying um, on the comments. You know, I think he has one man of the match already, but he's got to be a shout pretty much every game. A man of the match. He is absolutely unbelievable. Um, how old is he, guys? Do we know? Does anyone know that? He's uh, young. 27? Is he 27? I thought he was younger than that. Yeah. Mm, possibly. Somebody will know. Um, and then the last thing I'll say before I shut up, and I know that that's rare for me to ever shut up, but uh, John George, who's um, either listening or watching, posted a stat. I don't know if you guys saw it, but when Arsenal did their invincible season, after 10 games, they were on 24 points, which is two less than Tottenham Hotspur this season. <laughs> yeah, Vicario's just had his 27th birthday. Okay, yeah. so he just turned 27. Okay, I thought he was younger, but... That's that's okay for a goalkeeper. That's young, Mike. Let's come to you. Um, now in the 16th minute, there was a free kick just outside the Crystal Palace box, and all of us expected Madison to take it, but Basuma took it. Were you surprised? Well, without being disrespectful, I was first of all relieved that Harry Kane wasn't on the pitch. We don't miss that. We, we, we don't miss that. I, I, don't miss that. I thought he was, by the way, the free kick was taken, to be honest. <laughs> Do you reckon he's over somewhere in Germany thinking, hold on a second, Tottenham's got a free kick? Like he felt like a disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I must admit, as, as the ball was, was placed down, I really did think we're due a free kick goal from Madison, aren't we? We've seen him do it enough for Leicester. Although it was pretty far out, wasn't it? Maybe it wasn't like the, the, the perfect position. But... Um, yeah, I was quite fascinated after the ball sailed over the bar, watching Madison then. The camera zoomed in on Madison, really, rather than Basuma. And I was just, just trying to work out, you know, the look on his face. Is that sort of just trying to, to not look too uh, disgusted at that point? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I feel like we haven't really... Well, obviously, we haven't sort of taken the opportunities yet, but we haven't actually had that many opportunities from dead balls this season. We, we don't seem to come close to getting a penalty since Kane left. Um, bizarre. I'm, incredible that we're, what, we you know, 10 matches in. Season. We've not had one all Absolutely. season. Absolutely. So we're, we're 10 matches in, and, and technically we don't know who our penalty taker is here, do we, to replace Kane? I, I guess it would be Son. But who knows? Madison's taken them for Leicester before. Um We'll just have to see. But, I mean, I wonder, actually, if that's something that um, Ange is referring to when he was sort of critiquing the second half against Fulham and he was saying it's actually in the attacking third that he feels we're still a real work in progress, that it needs to be a bit more natural. And I feel, particularly some of those runs that Saar was making in the match where the overlapping run, and you just feel we can get that going a bit. Incredible engine he's got. We need to get these players bursting through into the box because that is where the stray leg comes out and we can actually start to capitalise because, um, you know, forget whether we got Kane or not. I don't think anyone would have believed going into this season that we'd have had the, the start of the season we've had and not have a single penalty. So surely that's got to be something we've got to work on. 
Um, but yeah, I feel like uh, we, we haven't had our fair share of dead ball situations yet. Mike, let's stay with you because in the 17th minute, Kulisevsky put a cross in, Richarlison headed it down, uh, Madison shot over the bar. Three minutes later, Richarlison had a shot from distance that went wide. Um, was it a case of uh, credit to Crystal Palace in that first half because we failed to actually record a shot on target in the first 45 minutes? Um, they certainly frustrated Spurs in the opening period. That That's where that was kind of... I was having to fight against that voice in my head that says, this isn't going to happen, we're going to come unstuck tonight. Because, ridiculously, and this is how you get as a Spurs fan, Palace lost 4-0, so therefore they're not going to be as bad tonight. They're going to be absolutely drilled and they're not going to want to give a single thing away all match. And, and getting in 0-0 at half-time, um, that was the, the, the concern. But I just think, um, yeah, absolutely give... Palace credit for that, but ultimately it was their undoing. And I think talking as as TJ said about the Palace fans booing, I mean, you have to say incredible career, incredible story of Roy Hodgson being managing in the Premier League in his late 70s. Um, but it was getting a bit ridiculous, their absolute refusal to press the ball when we had it in possession in in, in defence tonight. And 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 that's what it came down to, that they they absolutely had a plan A. But only really in the, in the very dying stages did they consider anything approaching a plan B. And, and, and that's why, ultimately, they got what they deserved. I'll tell you what, the, the home fans this evening, was they were very, very quiet. It's probably the quietest I've known Selhurst Park in all the times that I've visited there. Um, Craig, let's come to you. In the 30th minute, um, a Crystal Palace ball over the top. Mickey van der Ven, out of nowhere, clearing things up. And then five minutes later... Uh, a ball over the top, over the head of Ben Davis. Mickey van der Ven yet again, out of nowhere to clear things up for Tottenham Hotspur. I'll tell you what, I've got to say that Mickey van der Ven was probably my man of the match uh, this evening. I don't know about you, but um, Mickey van der Ven, what a signing for Spurs. Yeah, he was my man of the match. I thought he was simply outstanding again. And uh, I do liken him to the Roadrunner. Anybody who used to remember that cartoon, you just see, you can, I can just hear yeah. it. Like the ball goes over it, me, me, and he's, you know, he's gone. It, it, he's just unbelievable. I, I love watching any player with pace, but when you've got a defender with pace, it was like a couple of those balls you were talking about and a couple of others. Like we were sitting watching the game and my son went, Mickey's got him. And like he just put the afterburners on and he goes and, uh, how good must that be for people like Romero, who's been playing blessing with with Dyer, who's not blessed with pace? Even when thinking, they've got three or four yards you know, on, you no, know, Craig. Like even even no, when that's I, it. An attacker is a significant distance away. There's just no doubt. Like within three or four no. strides, and it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it, it is, and the, he's not actually that quick off the mark. Actually, when you watch him, but when he gets going, he's he's like a McLaren P1 and makes everybody else look like a Renault Espace. So uh, it, it's just simply sensational. To and apologies to anybody who's got a Renault Espace, <laughs> but well, honestly, it, Renault Espace, I hear it in Alan Partridge's voice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or the one out, of, or um, uh, Mike Bassett. He was talking about yeah, he had all the, the pulling power of a Renault Espace. Honestly, uh, Mickey Van der Ven sensational defender and the defender we've been missing to be he really reminds me of Jan Vertonghen he's like Jan Vertonghen with pace to be honest um and that's the biggest compliment I think you can pay any anybody defensively though Craig this season we do look so much better than previous years don't we we do and and 
he is funny enough the striking phase of the pitch that does seem uh that's not clicking at times when it does click like we saw for the goal which we'll come on to it's sensational those little intricate passes when they come off but the defence has just improved so much. I, I don't know how many goals we've conceded. We must be up there with the least conceded in the league. I think look the other day, and we're, we're how, I can't. I don't know, Chris, how many we've conceded. Is it eight, something like that. Might not be that many, but um, it's a monumental change, isn't it? For for a, for a manager who prides himself on attack, 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 uh, for our defence to be so good. But does that come about because we're not dropping so deep? What was what was interesting, I'm sure you'll mention it later, I think it was 2-1 at the time, they had a free kick and our line was so high. And in previous years, we would not have been that high. We'd have been on our 18-yard box and they played the ball over the top, caught them offside, thank you very much, we was back in possession. So it's just about that bravery and trust. And again, I'm sure it's because Van der Ven's so quick. If it did get behind us, he's got it, mops up all day long. but massive improvements in the defence, yeah. Yeah, we've scored 22 in 10 games and conceded nine so far. Um, All right, yeah. TJ, at half-time, of course, it was nil-nil. Ange Postacoglu made a sub. Um, Emerson Royale coming on, Ben Davis going off. How are you feeling at that point? And uh, was that the correct thing from Ange to do? We definitely needed something to change. Uh, So, yes. Um, We made hard going of it in that first half. But again, look to Mike's point, right? You know, this is this is Roy Hodgson. I mean, he's been doing this since Methuselah was a boy. You know, he's going to die in that jacket, isn't he? You know, um, and uh, and so you could see their game plan. And again, just to hark back to, you know, right at the beginning of the show, Chris, right? You asked me, you know, how I was feeling. And my initial sentiment after the, you know, joy and, and um, uh, jubilation at, you know, having won again, was how poor the officiating was today, dangerously so, you know, um, and and you could see that that was part of their tactic. Like, let's just kick these guys. Let's not let them get into a flow, not let them get into a rhythm. Everybody knows that Tottenham play, this Tottenham under Ange, we play through the centre. You know, we've never been more as, to, we've, well, we have been in our past, but certainly not for a long time have we really been a to dare us to do team and we are now we play right through your center we're coming for you which is why skip just is never going to be able to do that he's never going to have the skill to be able to turn left turn right like benton kerr like basuma and even like sar you know we're talking about sar oh sar's going to be the one to go and he is and he's mustard um and so uh, i i just i just think that that was their tactic. So being nil-nil at half time, fair enough. And again, to Mike's point, they didn't have a plan B, did they? Because if you do want to go to a plan B from, well, let's just hit these guys and, you know, not let them get into, into a rhythm. If you go a goal down, you're like, Ugh, now we're going to have to play. And they weren't interested. They weren't interested at in coming in in the ball. Two nil down. Not interested. They had three players in our half. I was counting them when Romero and Vicario were passing the ball back. Still three players. Not pressing. And also you've got Hoybier on at that point. So even if you do press, Vicario passes to Hoybier and Hoybier can pay a perfect first-time ball left or right, sideways, right? That's his career. Um, so I wasn't surprised by that, but of course we've got one on the ball, but I knew one wasn't going to be enough because they were very threatening from set pieces. They're always going to be threatening from set pieces. And Ayu is an absolute master of drawing a free kick. 
absolute master of it. So they were going to get a lot of free kicks. How many corners did they have today? Wow. You know, um, it was extraordinary. Uh, but again, they didn't look that threatening. I just don't know where goals are going to come from. And other than an unbelievable handball, how does, how does nobody call that? Um, they wouldn't have scored. They wouldn't have scored today. Yeah, it did seem very obvious, but we'll come on to that. Uh, Mike, let's come to you. Um, in the 52nd minute, Crystal Palace had a had a chance uh, across from the left. Um, it went across the face of goal. No one there to tap home. And then a minute later, Tottenham Hotspur actually took the lead uh, through Joe Ward's own goal. Uh, great work from Saar. Uh, what have you made of Saar so far this season for Spurs? I think... You know, I hate to hark back too much, but it's hard not to when you just think of almost Sarah is kind of emblematic of, of where Conte just confused us, just completely confused us as fans, where circumstances meant Sarah had to be given this chance that no one thought he was truly ready for of, of being alongside Skip in our midfield at the San Siro last season. Came through it really well. And just didn't figure after that. And you think, is it a case of just the wrong attitude in training? Naivety? Is it something we don't know? And the last 10 matches have given us the answer that it was just poor management from Conte to just freeze him out. The guy was ready. And um, you have to wonder how he would have helped us in those closing matches. Uh, you know, you, you can't see us losing 7-1 at, at, at Newcastle with, with, with Sars level of commitment. But, but but there we go. I should probably let that go now. But, you know, I think <laughs> I think that, um, no, Ange in, in, in pre-season um, gave a, an interview where he just waxed lyrical about Sars. I, I think it was one of those almost kind of end of press conference type questions that was thrown at him, perhaps on the pre-season tour. And they said that you've been impressed with him. And he was like, well, how, how can I not be? How, how can you not be impressed by this guy? This guy has got so much talent and incredible attitude. And you always find yourself sort of thinking, is, is he going a bit overboard? This is dangerous to say about a, what a 19, 20-year-old player. But no, he's been absolutely fantastic. I mentioned his work, right? I mentioned his engine, the fact that he's able to you know make overlapping runs late in the game, despite all the work he puts in. And it's it's just it's just great that that moment when he had the air the air shot that was he was trying to cross the ball and and, and he, he missed the ball and and he was he was down flat on the ground, but I just found myself sort of thinking obviously he got stick from the Palace fans but as, as as Tottenham fans okay it's easy when we're winning but I think we all just feel he's such a talent he's such a player that's got to be nurtured and we just accept you've got to take the rough with the smooth with a player that age at least he's trying these things at least he's being encouraged, got this great um, relationship, it seems, with Son. They've really um, bonded there and uh, perhaps he's taken him under his wing. That's the suggestion. And I think that, um, you know, he's, he's got a very high ceiling star. I just hope that he stays injury free because, you know, I think he, he really can be a key player for us for, for a number of years if we can keep him, keep him fit. Craig, let's come to you. In the 64th minute, uh, Postacoglu made a double change. Uh, Johnson and Hoybier coming on, Richarlison and Basuma going off. And then just two minutes later, uh, Spurs went 2-0 up. Of course, Hoodman Son got Tottenham's second goal. Great work from Johnson and Madison. Um, Son has now eight Premier League goals in the 10 games that we've played so far. He only scored 12 
Premier League goals last season. Is this Hunmin Son officially back? And uh, do you think he'll win the Golden Boot the way he's going? I think you've got to say he's back, haven't you? I mean, I mean, I was never convinced that he was finished. Like a few people had written him off completely, but look, he's 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 playing back to how we all know he can play. Um, he's obviously playing through the middle, so he's going to get more goals. Um, he's in that centre forward position, and it was interesting in the in the post match interview. He said, he said, "I don't mind playing on the left. I'll basically play wherever." But he, it seemed like he's he had, he's always got a smile on his face, but he's got an even bigger smile. The the proper sunny smiles back now, and and to see that, and he has got a chance at that golden boot. I think. I mean, you, look, you're you're up against Erling Haaland, and that's going to be a tough call for anybody to to beat him. But um, he, he, look, he, you've got to be in it to win it. He's he's made a terrific start to the season, and. Um, I think we're really lucky to have him and almost have a not already made replacement for Kane because you can't replace Harry Kane. But if you've got the goals coming, coming and flowing and he's moved into that centre forward position, now we've got Madison. Madison's kind of replaced that half of Kane that did the playmaking. So perhaps we kind of have, you know. Um, and I know people, some people don't like us talking about Harry Kane on this channel, but. Do you think there's a little tiny part of him that's sitting there thinking, I wish I'd stayed or was the problem me? You know, because he's, he's a human being, he's going to be thinking that. I know I would. I would be thinking. And, I'd, you know, for me, I, he wouldn't make us a weaker, weaker team. We'd probably be in the same position we are now. And he might have even signed a new contract. Who knows? Who knows? And it's all ifs and buts. But, you know, he's gone and we're left with, with Sonny, who's a more than ample replacement for Harry Kane in that position, as he's proved with his goals he's been scoring so far. And we do see more of a team than we ever have done for the last two or three years. So all is rosy at the moment. Yeah, I think with Harry Kane, he certainly wanted European football that, of course, we couldn't offer him this season. Um, TJ, on uh, Hunmin Son, um, is it the fact that he was named captain by Postacoglu? Is it the fact that he is playing in that central role? What do you think has really changed with Hunmin Son this season? Because he looks a happy, a happy chappy. Yeah, he right. does. And, and again, to, to Craig's point, you know, I think Sonny on his worst day, still about a seven and a half on the happiness scale. You know, he's, that's just how he's built. He's just the loveliest, loveliest young man. Um, and an outstanding player, and I'm so delighted. I think we all were when it was given the given the armband. He's yeah. so special to us. Um, we love him personally and professionally. Just a lovely, lovely man. A great ambassador for the club in every way. You know, um, every video of him, he's just a delight. Uh, I don't know which um, show it was, which football show it. I can even remember after which game it was. Um, and he was doing an interview on the pitch. You know, he had the microphone. Remember, he laid it down like it was like a newborn child. Luton. <laughs> you know, he's just he's just such a such a thoroughly decent um, human being and a wonderful footballer. But in in that order, in in my opinion. So yeah, being given the captain's armband, entirely justified and completely deserved. And it's just given him that extra little bump as well because you can tell as well that he takes his profession. And, and his um, responsibility as a role model so very seriously. And so now, well, now I've got more responsibility to really represent this club. I am the captain of this club, and that's really meant something to him. So, yes, I think that has given him a little, you know, a sprinkling of something. Um, 
I also, well, to his own admission, he wasn't fit, right? Last season, he wasn't fit. Um, he's fully fit again. And, you know, he's the man. Um, if Harry was still in the team, and again, I'm with you, Craig, I don't think he would weaken this team um, because it's Sonny on the left instead of Richarlison and it's Harry Kane down the centre. You know, I think the only thing that would change would be Ange saying to him, listen, mate, you don't need to drop into midfield because this and Saar will do that all day long. Um, again, a lot of people talking about Saar's work rate, and that is extraordinary. I mean, you know, talk about covering every blade of grass, but also not just, not kind of running around, you know, running around like Tom Carroll, like, you know, running around with the ball and making tackles. I mean, that second goal was a, a work of art. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful and all in, inspired. I mean, we'd played about 15 passes before that long diagonal that Saar played over to Brennan Johnson. And speaking of Brennan Johnson, he looked he looked like a man with a point to prove when he came on. Just coming yeah. back from injury, was it hamstring? It was, a, it was right? Um, mm -hmm. Those are really tough to come back from. I never rated him anyway, but look at Ryan Sessegnon. Like ever since that hamstring, which was God knows how many years ago, he's just a player that's got the handbrake on perpetually and will never take it off because of that fear. Brennan Johnson had no fear. Again, a Tadere is to do player. Let me come into this Ange Tottenham Hotspur side and show that I, I can do a job here. And he really did. I was delighted for him. Um, Winning the header, which went to Madison, letting him know that he was available, calling for the ball, demanding the ball, got it back, played it over the defender like it wasn't just a flat pass on the ground, which the defender would have would have intercepted. Having the foresight to play over the defender's boot, Sonny tucks it away. Beautiful, beautiful goal. Mike, let's come to you. Um, how excited are you, the fact that we're sitting top of the league, five points clear, and we just know, as Spurs fans, there is so much more to come from a lot of these players. Sorry, you broke up for me then. Do you want to say that again? I was saying, um, how excited are you right now? The fact that um, we know that there is so much more to come from a lot of these players. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the fantastic thing, isn't it? And I think it's the fact that we know that we've got a, a proper football coach there a, a proper football coaching team who gets is going to really want to develop these players I mean it, it, it felt at times under previous regimes that you know there was even talk that under Conte almost the players were kind of figuring out themselves remembering some of the the, for, the, the, the routines and the, the the play in matches that they learned under Pochettino because it worked because you know Conte was so much let's let's have a solid base let's protect what we've got and and and, and just be fixated on that but I just feel that so many players have got such a lot of potential there that can be worked with. And it's it's already been mentioned tonight, you know, TJ was saying with, with Romero, the fact that, I mean, he's just a different player, isn't he, to what we've seen before now. The fact that his discipline is, by and large, so, so good. And, and developing a player isn't necessarily just about um, performance, you know, play on the ball. It, it, it's about attitude. It's about assuming greater responsibility and leadership on the pitch. And he's absolutely done that. So I just think with in, in so many cases, at the moment, we're ahead of schedule. And what I like with Ange is that he, he knows that. So he's not getting carried away. You know, he feels that after you, you just feel with Ange after 10 matches, he would absolutely accept us having you know, maybe three, maybe four fewer wins if he felt that we're actually moving in the right direction. He, he would be less concerned about the points tally than, 
than 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 we are i'm sure because he has that self-belief that belief in in what he's doing and you can see he's carrying the players with him and that is so so crucial and it can be something that you know you don't tend to get uh long reigns at football clubs like sir alex ferguson had at, at manchester united it's, it's very rare in the modern game it's 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 an a, 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 a passing thing of something that's so hard to capture to get the dressing room with you but ange has got it right now and it's just that feeling that everyone is moving in the same direction and wanting to be the best they can be right now and absolutely incredible to say isn't it top of the league but we all feel there's so much more to come and that is just a, such an exciting position to be in Greg, let's come to you. In the 83rd minute, Emerson Royale with a great cross. Uh, Brennan Johnson um, headed it um, across goal rather than at goal. Why? I, I I couldn't tell. I don't didn't see a repeat of it, but I just thought it was to an acute angle. I might be wrong. I didn't know how far he was the other side of the post, so the camera angle wasn't clear from where I was watching. But um, I personally would have had for goal no matter where where. You know, if I was in that area, I would have had a, I'd have had a head at goal unless he saw somebody that was probably in a better position. That's the only thing. He's not known for his heading, is he? But yeah, um, would have would have completely killed the game. But yeah, I, I, I must tell you this: you wouldn't have seen it, Chris. Um, after the game, Ange went uh, an interview with uh, Kelly Cates, um, Gary Neville, and Jamie Carragher, and they were discussing the game, blah blah blah, and. It's the sense of humour on Angie's just brilliant because Jamie Carragher said to him at the end, oh, you're just copying Pep, mate, aren't you? And like they're having, a, they're having a laugh about that. And Gary Neville said, yeah, that's what I've tried to do at Valencia. And just as he handed the mic back to him, as he was going, Postacoglu went, how did that go for you? <laughs> and walked off. It was brilliant. It was really, really good. It, but it's just that typical Australian dry sense of humour. Um, fantastic. Loving it. Loving it. Well, in the 90th minute, um, Benton Kerr, of course, came on, as we've mentioned. Uh, Brian Hill also came on. Kulisewski and Madison went off. Uh, and then eight minutes of stoppage time went up. Um, I think it's right that we come to you on this one, TJ, about the uh, the Crystal Palace goal right at the end. Um, it was obviously handball, wasn't it? I, I think that everyone in the stadium saw it was handball. It went to VAR. I was extremely surprised, I must say. As a, as a fan inside the stadium, I was very, very surprised. Yes. That, um, and also, Romero referee... called it at the time. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, you, you know, you can often tell, you can often tell how the players react. And also, I mean, you know, Ayu looked like a puppy sitting next to a pile of poo. He, he couldn't have looked guiltier. Um, and <laughs> there are, even on the, the, the commentary here, you know, would have been different commentators to what you guys would have had back home. You know, while they were looking at it, they were all saying, I don't know why this is taking so long. I'd be like, yeah, you know, he's tried to control it. It's hit his arm. But, you know, so this this is going to be given as handball. Like, yeah, this will be given as handball. And it went on for minutes. And they're going, I don't know why. And, of course, myself and my friends are going, clearly handball. He hasn't intended yeah. to handle it, but it's it's handball. And that's the new rule, like whether you intended or not. If it's a handball and then you score a goal, it's handball. Um I don't want to delve too deeply into it. You know, I was thinking, is it because we had the VAR controversy? You know, I don't even want to mention those guys and all that nonsense that followed. You know, um, yeah, I, I don't want to get too too bogged down with uh, with uh, VAR. Okay, look, they gave it and we won the game. 
the end. Yeah. Well, of course, next up, uh, Monday week, we face Chelsea on Monday the 6th of November. Uh, of course, Pochettino will be returning to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the first time uh, since being sacked back in 2019. Um, TJ, let's start with you on this. Um, Chelsea at the moment have played nine. They're sitting 10th in the Premier League table. They've won three, they've drawn three, they've lost three. Their last game, as you mentioned earlier in the show, um, they were 2-0 up at Stamford Bridge, drew 2-2 against Arsenal. Um, what do you expect in this Chelsea game? Um, do you think Ange Postecoglou will make further changes to the starting eleven? Perhaps Brendan Johnson coming in for Richarlison? Will Basuma keep his place? Will Hoybier be back? What do you think? I think um, I think it will be the same starting eleven, other than um, I think Richarlison might miss out to Brendan Johnson um, because we've got that work rate and we've got that industry and everything on on the right side of the pitch with uh, Kulisevsky. And also Kulisevsky is a greater goal threat than, than Richarlison. I mean, the number one thing about the Chelsea game, and again, people have already been talking about it on the comments, is that I hope that Poch is welcomed. You know, he is he is a Spurs legend. He loves Tottenham. And I have tremendous affection for Poch. I'm really disappointed that he went to Chelsea. But, you know, look, it's business, right? This is his job. You know, he has a family, has, you know, wife and children and all that kind of thing. And... and um, but Chelsea. Sorry, mate, say that again. But Chelsea, TJ. I know, mate. I know. But, you know, his family's here in London. You know, where would he go that we would feel happy about? It would have to be outside of the country, right? And that just wasn't really, it wasn't really a practical thing. And so I hope that we, we show him respect. Um, and then I hope we absolutely take them to the cleaners. You know that shellacking that I was talking about earlier? It could well come <laughs> at... at Chelsea, it, it, it really could. Because, and again, to Craig's point, um, the players that we brought in aren't these star names with these massive price tags. That's Chelsea to a T. I mean, they've spent over a billion pounds, a billion pounds, and it just isn't clicking. It's kind of starting to come together. But for the money that they've spent, talk about ROI, like, my God, I mean, they are so upside down on that house. It's it's remarkable. So I feel more confident winning that game than I did going away to Selhurst Park on a Friday evening. Um, I think I think we will have a point to prove. I don't think there'll be anybody in that dressing room or, or in that stadium who's not fully motivated and ready to go. Yes, they'll be arriving thinking, you know, let's knock these guys off their pedestal, top of the league and all that kind of thing. I don't think they have enough for us. So I think it'll be the same starting 11, but Richarlison will make way for uh, Brennan Johnson. TJ, just coming back to you on the Pochettino thing. If you yes. were standing right next to the tunnel as Pochettino was shaking hands with Ange Postecoglou, what reception would you personally give him? <laughs> Round of applause. Good luck, and I hope we stick it up you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, let's come to you on the same question. Chelsea at home next up on the 6th of November. Pochettino's return. Do you yeah. think it's another three points for Tottenham? Well, I'm just so glad we're in a position where... You know, we're there to be shot at now. And, and of course, we've got to prepare ourselves for the fact that we're going to have 
um, what more than a week, aren't we? Because we're talking, we, yeah, what's it, 10 days now to, to wait for this match. But, you know, whatever happens, we're going to be top of the league going into that game. And, you know, we're, we're there to be shot at. And I just feel that if we stumbled tonight, then it comes back to that, that Palace game under Mourinho that I referred to right at the start of the show, where, you know, we've then got Liverpool, we've got the match that we were really excited about and, and we're feeling, oh, we, we didn't do ourselves justice in the previous game. We've done ourselves justice now. We've done everything we could pretty much in these first 10 games. We've got a points tally we can be so proud of. And, and we can go toe-to-toe with Chelsea now, play a proper match of football against, you know, it, it should be a good entertaining game, which certainly that has not always been the case in this fixture uh, in recent seasons. And, and 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 let's see how we go. But I mean, I'm with TJ on this. I would absolutely be giving Pochettino that that round of applause. And I do feel that whatever we say about his choice in going to Chelsea, and I hate the fact that he'd gone to Chelsea. I wish he hadn't. I wish he hadn't have done that interview where he said they're the biggest club in the Premier League. What was you know what was he thinking? That was that was a that was a mistake. And maybe there's just a little bit of spite there from him about how things ended for him with the club there, that he just he just had to have that little dig. But nevertheless, I personally believe that if we go back to the end of last season with 10 games to go, I think if it had been Daniel Levy on the phone to Pochettino now and said, come in to these final 10 games, I think he'd have said yes. For all the fact that he sat on the sidelines and, and watched Lampard floundering over the end of Chelsea's season. I honestly believe Pochettino would have come back at the end of last season. And I honestly believe we'd have got Champions League football and we'd have kept Harry Kane. And who knows? But, you know, we, we are where we are. We all made the decisions we made. And I'm, I'm content with the decision we made because we've got a fantastic manager. We've got a fantastic set of players. And I'm really looking forward to this match. I'm not as confident as TJ. I love TJ's confidence on this. I'm not as confident as him on that. But I think it's going to be a cracking match. I can't wait for it. And, um, well, the one thing I'm, I'm watching in that respect is, in terms of that starting line, is, is, is Udogi. Could he come back in? Um, because I think he would be a big miss for this match. I'd love to see him out um, making those overlapping runs and, and, and maybe even waiting to get his first goal in Spurs colours. That would be fantastic. Craig, same question to you. And I think I'm with TJ on this one. I think the best welcome for Pochettino would be like a 4-0 Tottenham win. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. You know, thank you for the memories. Um, I do resent the fact he went to, to Chelsea. It's nearly as bad as going to Arsenal, in my opinion. I get you have to work, but, you know, you just wait it out. You take another job somewhere else, in my opinion. But, you know, it is what it is. He chose to go there. He said some, some things that's going to rile the Tottenham fans, but to be honest, he's not our manager. So I don't dislike the guy, you know, I don't, I hate's a very strong word. Um, I've got fond memories of Pochettino. As I say, I wish he hadn't gone Chelsea, but it is what it is. If, if in the future he comes back and bears our manager, all those people that hate him now will love him again. So it's really a very thick for the Tottenham fans. But as you say, you know, he'll shake Angie's hand. I, I would imagine it would be about 50-50 perhaps. Perhaps I'm being optimistic for him. I don't know. Perhaps he'll get a fairly warm welcome and a lot of people will boo him. I don't know. Don't really care. All I want is a Tottenham win and an absolute spanking or shellacking. I think that that would be a great word on countdown, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> shellacking. I'll have to look that up if that's a proper is word. Actually, it's I TJ if word. Nine letters on. It might, it might well be. <laughs> I'll be looking for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wouldn't that be lovely? 
I I wanted to come on here every time you ask me for a score prediction, and all season I was just going to say five 0 Tottenham just for a laugh for a win because I'll be right once surely. Let's hope it's this week. Realistically, I would go for a two nil Tottenham win, but I would love a five nil. Well, that's that's the last two questions I've got. Score prediction for the Chelsea game, which you've given me, Craig, and. If you were to predict now where Spurs will finish in the Premier League at the end of the season? Third. So 2 0 and third. TJ? I'm going to say 4 0. 4 0. God. Shellacking. <laughs> yeah, 4 0 shellacking. Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'll say second. Second. I'll, say, I'll say more head than heart and say second. To Manchester City, I take it? Yeah. What about you, Mike? I'm going to say uh, a repeat of tonight in scoreline 2-1. I'm going to say first penalty of the season. Let's 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 put our colours on the mast for put that. A, put a fiver on that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Son penalty in the, the 89th minute, something like that. That would be great. Um, and I'm going to also follow Craig and say third. I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. Sorry, TJ. Who's, who's in second, Mike and Craig, if you're going third for us? I can't say Arsenal, okay. so I'll say I'll say, oh, I'll say Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I just can't say Arsenal. No, I hear you, mate. What about you, Mike? Uh, so yeah, City top and I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I was worried about Newcastle, but they've got so many injuries right now. I think they're going to spend heavily in January. Um, so we'll have to see, but yeah, maybe Liverpool. Mm -hmm. What about you, Chris? I'm going to go Spurs to finish fourth and I think Manchester City will win it. I think Liverpool will be there. Um, Perhaps Newcastle. I don't want to say Arsenal in there, but, but they are very strong. Of course, they're very strong. Um, but I do expect us to beat Chelsea on the 6th of November, and I'm really looking forward to that game. And I think it will be a very, very uh, mixed feeling amongst the Spurs fans. I think some people will cheer Pochettino. I think that some people will boo him. I think it will be a very, very mixed uh, reception for him. Mm -hmm. um, but, do you reckon the score will be? 2-1. 2-1. I think we'll win. Yeah, I think How about we'll win. this? Um, just before we, we go... Um, how about fourth and an FA Cup? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I t I yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we need this trophy. And uh, yeah. wouldn't it be, a, you know, wonderful scenes to see sure. Hunmin Son as our captain lifting the trophy, Poster yeah. Coglu lifting the trophy, Love that it. bus parading down the high road. It would just be absolute scenes. It would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, TJ, thanks so much for joining us. The pleasure, mate. Thank you and, for having um, me. Always a pleasure. Thank you. One thing I would love you to do in the next couple of days is yes. send me a list of every single Spurs player and put what car they are. <laughs> That's I'd, a great I'd I'll do that. that. I'll do that. Yeah, OK, I'll do that. What are you up to at the moment? Where can people find you? Um, I mean, listen, we're still on strike, right? Still an actor strike. So, um, but the thing is, I, I did so many, like there were three like huge video games that came out at the beginning of the year that I'm in. I'm in uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, obviously still in Star Wars um, Battlefront 2. Uh, I'm in Forspoken and I'm in uh, the Dead Space remake. So, you know, for people who play video games, I'm always on those. Um, and also I've done, you know, all those big American shows, which they repeat all the time. 
So, you know, NCIS, NCIS LA, Designated Survivor, Grey's Anatomy, Arrow, like, you know, I'm in all of those. So, you know, I'm constantly annoying people. Like, people are at the gym go, oh, I've just seen you on that. I'm like, yeah, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm up to at the moment. Well, TJ, a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time. Thank Craig, you. thanks so much for joining us again. Where can people find you? Yeah, no problem at all. Always, always good to come on when we've had a win and uh, there's been a lot lately, so it's lovely. Uh, at DMN9 on X, if you want to follow me, that would be lovely. Thank you very much. Just got to 400 subscribers or followers or whatever it is. So, so <laughs> that's brilliant. Thank you all. And Mike, thanks so much for joining us again. Pleasure to have you back. And where can people find you? Somewhere with very spotty Wi-Fi. <laughs> I think we've lost him. I think we've lost him. But um, thanks for watching, everyone. And thanks for listening. Nice. Uh, <laughs> are you back with us, Mike? <laughs> well, Mike, Craig, TJ, thank you so much for your time this evening. And thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we will be back Monday week uh, when, of course, we play Chelsea. Hopefully when we've beaten Chelsea and remain top of the Premier League table. Thank you for all of your support as normal and uh, come on you Spurs. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.